You may be seated. Praise the Lord, loved ones. What a joy it is to be worshiping our Lord and Savior with you all again. Let's go ahead, open up our Bibles to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, tonight we are in verses 15 to 19. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word with you, Uh, Our ushers are coming forward right now, so I want you to put your hand up, and our ushers will put a Bible in your lap. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word at home, then please take that as a free gift from us to encourage you to continue to grow in the Word of God at home. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. All right, question time. Question time, Hope. Question time, kids. Eyes up. Say, I'm with you. All right, here it is. Will you, ready? Will you follow Jesus? Oh, I love that. Will you follow Jesus. The word follow, as Jesus describes it and says it here in our text tonight, means to cling to, to submit to, to obey, and ultimately to lay your life down for Jesus. Make no mistake, Hope Ottawa, those of you here, those of you watching online, make no mistake, this is the most important question of your life. Whether you realize it or not, you and I and everyone else that you see on the street corner, in the store, in your workplace, you and I cannot escape answering this question and there's only one of two answers. Yes or no. That's it. Will you follow Jesus. And that's why the last chapter of John, chapter 21, John goes into great detail to give a portrait of what it means to truly follow Jesus. And last week in verses 1 to 14, we looked at part one of this. And we saw that to follow Jesus faithfully, we must surrender to him increasingly. We don't ever hit our surrender ceiling. If we are to follow Jesus faithfully, we must surrender to him increasingly. And then today, loved ones, it's time to tune in. Hope Ottawa, it is time to tune in because the only way we will increasingly surrender to the Lord is if we love him supremely. Here's a big idea for the text. Write it down. We're going to unpack it all night. To follow Jesus faithfully, you must love him supremely. There it is. If you and I are to stay faithful day by day, moment by moment, in following our Savior as he commands us to, we must love him supremely. See, why is this so important that John would finish his gospel by emphasizing this truth? Here's why, loved ones. 
because a supreme love, and I'm not talking about, oh, I'll love them when I feel like it, but I'm gonna love my finances, I'm gonna love my comfort, I'm gonna love my convenience. No, no, no. A supreme love for Jesus is the only enduring motivation to follow him. I'll say it again. A supreme love for Jesus is the only enduring motivation to follow him. We see this in John 15 or John 14 verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, notice the condition. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. True obedience only comes out of true love. Otherwise, it's just legalism. Some legalistic requirement to keep from, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Or that's why he goes on to say the great commandment itself, Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus says, he's approached by a lawyer, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says, to love to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the Gospel of Mark adds strength. To love the Lord your God. So let me, let me ask you a question. Who or what has your greatest love? Now be careful, because you might be here and you'd be like, well, yeah, totally Jesus does. Just be very careful. Let's take an honest assessment right now. As we come under God's word, just let it evaluate our hearts. Who or what has your greatest love? Because here, here's the danger, loved ones. It's really easy to pay lip service, isn't it? It's really easy to pay lip service and say, yes, Jesus, of course, I love you the most. I'm living my life for you, right? But, but okay, ready? Time for an assessment. Let's take an honest look at this past week for you and for me. Let's take an honest look. Is that supreme love for Jesus really the case? Let me help you. I've been very convicted by this, and I pray this would be helpful for you too. Um, if you were to look at your behaviors over this last week, would it show a supreme love for Jesus above yourself or anything else? Let's just, let's just look. How about this? Let's break this down. What you spend the money he's entrusted to you on. What will that show? How about this? Um, what you prioritized with your time. How's your God time? How's your time seeking him in prayer, abiding with him? Let's just keep looking. How about, how about would your entertainment choices show a supreme love for Jesus overall? And by what I mean by that is, I got nothing against a good movie, but are the values that it's portraying, would he love those? Is the language that's being spoken, would he approve of that? Does what you watch and what you listen to show a supreme love for Jesus above the world? How about, how about this? Let's just keep going. Just let the word of God start to do his work by the spirit of God. How about in your, ready for this? Your speech. Are the words that you have said or listened to declaring a supreme love for Jesus? Or is it corrupt? As Ephesians 4 says, putrid, with complaining, criticizing, 
gossiping, grumbling, slandering? Or is it a means of grace into the life of another and building them up? Let's just, let's just take an honest assessment, loved ones. How about this? Would your thought life this week show a supreme love for Jesus above all? The images you have in your mind, you may say one thing with your mouth to a person's face, but in your thought life, you're like, oh, I don't like that, but would, would they show it? Let's be honest. See, I think, I think we've just highlighted the problem we face every day, wouldn't you? Quite often, Jesus isn't your greatest love or mine. Why? Why is this the case so easily? Because we love ourselves. Don't we love ourselves? You know what the Bible never commands us to do? Love ourselves more. It assumes we're doing a great job of that already. Right? Love your neighbor as... It assumes you're loving yourself just fine. We love ourselves so much. We love our stuff. We love our status. And here's the thing. We even love our sin. We love our sin. We may not declare it with our mouths, but our lives show that. And we love others more than Christ. And we love the opinions of others about us when they give us glory more than we love Jesus, don't we? And what's the result? Look at the state of the world around you and you're gonna see it real clearly. The result of this, of loving anything else supremely above Jesus is unfaithfulness. It's unfaithfulness in following him. But can I, can I just encourage you? Because if you're like me, when I started writing that intro, I was like, oh man, I'm feeling about this big. You know, praise the Lord for that. But I want to encourage you with this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, if you are a true follower of Christ, then here it is. He has given you and will continue to give you all you need to love him increasingly as greatest love. Praise the Lord for the gospel. Amen? He's not left us on our own. And if you're here and you're like, well, I've, I've never accepted Christ as my personal savior. I've never surrendered my life to him. Hey, I got great news for you too. He's ready right now to give you all you need to follow him and increasingly love him this way. And here in our text today, we're gonna to see two marks of the life that increasingly displays a supreme love for Jesus. You may say, what does this look like? Right here, John 21 the life that loves him increasingly, supremely, and follows him faithfully, and that he shows his power and glory in and through. You ready to go? You ready to go? I need this word tonight. I know you do too. Let's go. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. Kids, John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. Let's read this nice and loud. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go. Jesus and Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, son of, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. 
He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. So good to read God's word together. First thing we see is this, loved ones. Let's take out our pens. Let's go. A life that loves Jesus supremely loves him above all else. A life that loves Jesus supremely loves him above all else. See, a supreme love for Jesus loves him above all. Here it is. Ready? Fill in the blank. Will you love him more than... You fill it in. A supreme love for Jesus loves him above all. Will you love him more than? Let's get our context. Jesus has just appeared to the disciples for the third time since his resurrection. Now, why is he, why is he having all these resurrection appearances before he ascends to the Father? Well, he's using these opportunities to encourage and strengthen and comfort, assure and commission the disciples for the mission he's giving them to preach the gospel and make disciples. The same mission you and I have today, the Great Commission. And after giving them, as you see in verses 1 to 14, after giving them a miraculous catch of fish, cast your net on the other side, praise the Lord, that was an amazing work. After giving them a miraculous catch of fish, he's having breakfast with them. Remember this? He's having breakfast with seven of them around a charcoal fire on a beach at the Sea of Galilee. Okay, you'll see the spot. So that, that church there on the beach, that's called St. Peter's Church, and this is in Galilee, and, and this is the spot they believe this interaction's taking place. Okay? And so here's a charcoal fire going on. Now, as nice as it is to have breakfast with Jesus, um, something's not right here. Something's not right. There is a looming issue that's clouding everything. There's a problem here. You ever, you ever get into a room with someone where there's something between you? And you're kind of not talking about it. Are they going to mention that? And <laughs> yeah, See, you know what I'm talking about. You know something's not right. There's an elephant in the room. Well, there's a big-time elephant on this beach right now. And the looming problem here deals with Peter. And Peter, who's the leader of the disciples, he's sitting around this fire. He's looking at Jesus, looking at everyone, and he's reeling inside. He's reeling. He is feeling the weight and the shame of his earlier failure when around another charcoal fire in John 18 that took place in the temple courtyard a few days earlier, he denied and rejected Jesus three times. 
after making the bold and ultimately arrogant pledge that he would stay faithful and devoted to Jesus, even if it meant he died. Remember in John 13 in the upper room, he's saying, hey, I'm going to follow you even to death. I don't know about these guys, but I'm following you. And then a few hours later, he rejects him three times. And by reject, it means he completely denies knowing him. And this is eating him up. His failure. And now see what, look at the picture. See what Jesus is doing? He's setting the scene, isn't he? See what he's doing in his sovereignty? See, Jesus knows the heart. He knows what's going on in yours and mine right now. He knows the heart. And he knows Peter's feeling crushed. And Peter's feeling discouraged and unworthy by what he'd done. And he knows that Peter is in need of restoration. I mean, I wonder how many people in this room right now watching online, I wonder how many of us know we've blown it and are in need of restoration and coming to Jesus. So knowing this, here's what Jesus does. He turns his attention to Peter. He pulls Peter aside and look at verses 15 to 17. Go back to the text. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. There's the heart revealed. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See what Jesus does here. He seeks to restore and recommission Peter to his service. And he looks right into the heart. Jesus is doing soul care on Peter right here. He looks right into Peter's heart and he asks him, do you love me more than these? And you're like, what is the these? Everyone wondering what's the these? All right, anticipate the question. There you go. Here we go. These, now scholars go back and forth as to exactly what Jesus meant here. All right, but here's the thing. Every suggestion they put forward, it all applies under the same thing. So watch this. Number one, one option here is Jesus is asking, do you love me more than these other disciples do as you claim to? He's confronting Peter's pride. Do you love me more than these guys love me? He's going right back to John 13. That's the first option. Secondly, he says, do you love me more than these fish? Don't forget, they've just hauled in 153 fish. He goes, do you love me more than these? Saying there, do you love me more than your profession, your job, Peter? Do you love me more than your lifestyle? Do you love me more than your next paycheck? Do you love me more than your reputation? It all applies. Do you love me more than doing something that's just predictable and, the, and your comfort level? Because what I'm about to call you to will call you way out of your comfort zone. Do you love me more than these? Or the third option is this. Do you love me more than you love the other disciples? Do you love me more than these guys? That you love them? You know what he's saying here? 
Do you love me more than those who are closest to you? This is all applicable for what Jesus is going after here with Peter. And I believe the reason the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John writes it this way, is because it all applies. Let's be clear about something. Jesus is asking Peter this, do you love me above everything and everyone else in your life? Jesus is saying, if you are to follow me, Peter, it requires total devotion to me at all times and in all things. Do you love me more than your community that you know? Do you love me more? If I, if I call you to follow me and it means you take a pay cut? More than your comfort and lifestyle? And notice Peter in his grief and all, in all his guilt, verse 15, he answers, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. The word, circle the word feed there. The word feed means to teach and to preach God's word to his people. It means to spiritually nourish the people of God. Now, how refreshing must this have been for Peter in this moment? How refreshing he knows the failure, and he knows Jesus knows the failure. Jesus looked at him, remember? In the Gospel of Luke, he looked when that rooster crowed and Peter wept bitterly. And he knows, Jesus knows. And how refreshing must this have been? Do you love me, Peter? Not the, I don't think so that you do. It's feed my lambs. He's like, what? He said, on that beach, he's walking. He's like, what? Can you just picture? He was expecting the condemning comment. And it's like, what? And then verse 16, Jesus keeps pressing. He's going after the heart of Peter. He'll accept nothing less. He keeps pressing Peter on this, looking into his heart. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? To which Peter again replies, yes, Lord. Can you see Peter? He's like, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus replies, now tend my sheep. Circle tend, that's different from feed. Tend means to shepherd, to guide, to protect, and care for his people, to shepherd them. See, Jesus is the chief shepherd of his flock, the church. And notice what he's doing here. He's recommissioning Peter to lead and shepherd his flock as an under-shepherd to Christ himself the chief shepherd, to ensure that his flock, his church would be cared for, protected, and being fed God's true word. And loved ones, make no mistake, you know, shamelessly, I'll just say this. You need to be praying for your pastor and your elders because this right here is the chief roles of any faithful pastor and elder and the primary role they have in the church to protect the flock of God, to lead the flock of God in the fear of God as an under-shepherd to Jesus Christ. It is his church and those whom he appoints to lead it. He calls to this same thing and it literally takes everything out of your life.
to lay down again and again and again to study hard each week, to feed the word of God to the church, to make sure it is protected and upheld, to lead in the fear of the Lord and not man. And this is why it takes a supreme love for Christ over a love for self, or you will not make it. It is intense. The battle is heavy. A love for Jesus has to trump a love for self or you will not last. And you see in verse 17, Jesus goes on to ask Peter a third time. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? See, this is no coincidence. See what Jesus is doing? He's already set the scene with the charcoal fire. And notice he asks him three times. That's not a coincidence. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Remember, Peter denied him three times around that fire, and now Jesus recommissions him three times around another one. But this time in verse 17, notice Peter's response. Peter's grieved that Jesus had to ask him three times. And, and notice this, where he says this, this deep and intense emotional distress, he answers in his grief. I want you to be clear on something. Jesus isn't bullying Peter. He's restoring him. And from this, from this third question, Peter responds, Lord, you know everything. That's a declaration of Jesus' sovereignty, his power, his omniscience. He says, you know that I, I love you, to which Jesus responds a third commission, feed my sheep. I know about the betrayal feed them, follow me. What an awesome savior, amen? See, just live in the text. If we're, gonna, if we're going to understand what Peter's feeling here and what we need to feel today, put yourself in Peter's shoes. You've come ashore. You've jumped in. You've hauled the fish. You come ashore and you're running to Jesus and Jesus in his sovereignty has set a fire there. And you're running, you see Jesus, and then you see that fire, and it triggers something in you. Have you ever had that? You had a bad experience, and then you see that person, you see that situation that reminds you of that, and there's that trigger of guilt or fear or anger. You ever felt that? There's, this is the trigger moment. And Peter sees this fire again, you see it right there. He comes straight away. There's Jesus. And there's the fire. And memories of your rejection of that night of crucifixion. Memories. It's all coming back. It's flooding back to you. And now Jesus, he knows that's happening. He set it up that way. And he's looking right into your heart right now. Right there. And he's asking three times, do you love me above all else? And he asks you this as he knows you struggle, as you feel the weight of your failure. And yet through the grief and the shame, this third time, all you can muster is, can't you just hear the quiver in Peter's lip in his voice here? All you can muster is, I know I blew it, Lord. I know I blew it, but you know everything. 
and you see my heart, and you know that, yes, I blew it, but you know there's true love for you there. You know it, you see it, you know I truly love you, and then, and then, and then, when your eyes are down, you feel like when you're ashamed, you can't look someone in the eye. Your eyes are down. Jesus pulls your head up, and he looks, and you hear these beautiful, life-giving, hope-restoring, mercy-filled words of Jesus. He says, Peter, I'm not done with you. Peter, I'm not done with you. Someone right here in this place right now and online needs to hear that. Put your name in there. I'm not done with you. I forgive you, and I'm restoring you. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. How many need to hear that same word from Jesus today? I'm not done with you. A supreme love for Jesus loves him above all. Question, will you love him more than? Just hang it out there. What is that for you? What is that for you? How about this? Let's fill in the blanks a little bit. Help think through this. I want this to be so helpful. Will you love him more than your job? Will you love him more than your spouse? Will you love him more than your kids? Will you love him more than your reputation or your status? Will you love him more than your finances? Will you love him more than your possessions? Here's one. Will you love him more than your preferences of how you want things to be? Will you love him more than your comfort? Will you love him more than your convenience? Students, will you love him more than your degree? You can always tell a supreme love for Jesus around exam time, eh? Will you love him? Here's one. It's challenging for me. Will you love him more than your health? Will you love him more than food and run to him instead of to your pantry? Here's one. Will you love him more than your sin? I loved ones. I want to make something clear, what Jesus is making clear right here. The only way sin is overcome, the love for sin is overcome, is through a superior love for Jesus or you will run to it every time. And you say, well, I want this, but how do I grow in this love? We can't just manufacture this. This is supernatural love that Jesus is drawing out of Peter here. How do we grow in this? Praise the Lord, the word of God is chock full. Get your pens ready. We see three things all throughout God's word, time and time again. How do we grow in our love for Christ? Number one, Repent quickly. Repent quickly. When you sin, turn from it quickly. Don't let it sit there and don't make excuses. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that, but that person did it. Don't make excuses. You're done with the excuses. A love for Christ is done with the excuses for things that keep us from him. Repent quickly. Lord, I repent of loving and valuing and prioritizing what over you? I repent of that. And right now, even in your moment right now, write that down. What is that for you? I love my hobby more than you. 
I love my sleep more than you. What is that for you? See, here's the thing about God in our relationship with him. Sin is always the elephant in the room when it comes to our relationship with God. Always. Sin is always the elephant in the room. You want to draw near to God and open his word? He's like, "Eh, right there. Let's get rid of this first. Notice James 4, 8. It says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And we usually just stop there and be like, yeah, okay, cool. But notice the back half of the verse. It says, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, and then I'll draw near to you. Repent quickly because what happens is just like the Ephesian church in Ephesians 2, Jesus puts that warning out to them. He goes, you're doing all the right things. You're going through the motion. You're opening up the word. You're serving in the church, but your love for me has grown cold. That's what sin is a master at. Our love for Christ and what he loves grows cold. Repent quickly. Here's the next thing. You want to grow in your love for the Lord? Repent quickly and then request continually. Request continually. What do I mean by this? See, it's all throughout God's word. Lord, help me to love you more than that. Help me to love you more than what I'm tempted to look at on the screen right now. Help me to love you more than what I'm tempted to run to in this moment when I'm feeling afraid or discouraged. Help me to love you more than my self-pity. Help me to love you more than my comfort. Help me, Lord. Help me to love what you love. Help me to love your word. God loves his word. Help me to love prayer. God loves our intimacy. Help me to love holiness and purity and truth. Not be content to sit in lies. Help me to love pure speech and not gossip and slander. That's an elephant in the room. Here's another one. Here's one, ready? Help me to love your church. Help me to love your church. It breaks my heart every time I hear somebody say, I love Jesus, I just can't stand his church. In love, I say this, that's impossible. Why? Because the church is part of Jesus. It's his body. It's connected to him as the head. So when you gossip and slander and complain about your brothers and sisters... That elephant is not with them. It's with you and Jesus. Ouch is right. Ouch is right, little man. Yeah. All right. Repent quickly. How do we grow in our love for the Lord? Repent quickly. Request continually. And then this. Respond immediately. Respond immediately. Don't let sin quench your love for Christ. Don't let it grow cold. Obey, loved ones. Delayed obedience is just disobedience. Loved ones, respond quickly. This is what God's word says. This is what I need to ask him for the strength to do. Obey his word and his power. Remember John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll obey. It's the mark of true love. Look at the fruit of your life. Notice he says, feed my lambs. They're not yours, Peter. Don't feed your flesh. Tend my sheep. Don't tend your comfort. Feed my sheep means be devoted to my kingdom and not your own. Hey, question, will you love him more than? Why? And maybe you're here today and you're right where Peter is on this beach. Knowing you've blown it, 
sitting in guilt and shame and discouragement and wondering if Jesus is done with you, and you are needing restoration and calling out and discouragement, you're like, I'm the one who's been gossiping. I'm the one who's been running to the computer screen to look at the pornography. I'm the one who's been, listen, listen, listen. And your discouragement and your grief right now, you're saying, Lord, I know I blew it, but you see my heart, you know I still love you. I got great news for you. And this, this blew my heart up in preparation for this Puritan preacher. Um, Richard Sibb says this. Ready? If that's you today, remember this. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in you. That's awesome. Jesus is awesome. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in you. Return to him. Pull up the chair to the fire and have a one-on-one with Jesus. A life that loves Jesus supremely loves him above all else. And from the overflow of this final one today, a life that loves Jesus supremely follows him in all things. This is the outflow of a supreme love for Christ. A supreme love for Jesus says, whatever the cost. Everyone say that, whatever the cost. A supreme love for Jesus says, whatever the cost, will you follow him? Look at verses 18 and 19 as we close out. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, walking on a beach with Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. That's a promise, by the way. You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me, follow me. See, Jesus then tells, or he prophesies right here. Jesus prophesies to Peter what loving him and following him will ultimately mean for him. And we see two things here about following Jesus. If we are going to follow Jesus, you see him on the screen, write him down. It means we need to be following his path, his path for us. In verse 18, Jesus lays out Peter's path for him. Did you notice what it was? Did you catch it from the text? He says that when Peter was young, he had freedom to do what he wanted. Yet when he's old and has lived a life devoted to Christ and following him, it will cost him his life. Specifically, here in verse 18, Jesus is referring to Peter's crucifixion. That term there, you see it? Circle it, stretch out your hands. Stretch out your hands is an illusion to the way those who were crucified had their arms outstretched. You will stretch out your hands. You'll be bound. You lose your freedom in this world, but you'll gain true freedom. He says, you will lose your freedom. You will be bound, and you will need to carry their cross to the place of crucifixion. And, and he's saying, Peter, you're going to be bound and killed. It's gonna, following me is going to cost you your life. And although we're not 100% sure of this one, uh, almost every major historian and tradition says that Peter was crucified by Emperor Nero in Rome. We know that for a fact. 
67 to 68 AD. But here's the thing we're wondering about. History says he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same as his Lord. See, this, this was Jesus' path for Peter's life. No pay raises. No comfy house. No big sports car. Suffering. Would you want to follow him? Would you follow him? See, here's... This was Jesus' path for Peter's life. Here's the second thing. Following Jesus not only means following his path, it means following him for his purpose. For his purpose. Verse 19, look, the purpose Jesus had for Peter's death. Notice what it says. This was the kind of death he was to glorify God. What's the purpose of following Jesus? Why he calls us this? For his glory. To glorify God, and it's the same for our lives today, church. The glory of God. What does glory mean? Circle it. It means the honor of God. To see God exalted and esteemed. The praise of God through your life and not the praise for yourself. And can I just encourage you with this, loved ones? As Peter's getting right here, and as we need to lock into our heart increasingly, there is no greater purpose for which we could ever live our lives in life, or in death. Why? You see it right here, right out of Isaiah 43. It says right here, we were created by Jesus for the glory of Jesus. That is the purpose of our lives. We were created Jesus by Jesus, not for the glory of self, not for the glory of our bank account, not for the glory of our comfort or our convenience, but for the glory of Jesus, his path and his purpose. And after telling Peter all this, Jesus commands him Follow me. My path, not your path, mine, and for my purpose. Restoration complete. Now live in the text. This is like a shocking moment. For, would you be a little intimidated by hearing this? Everyone's like, yeah. You're Peter. Put yourself in, the, in his shoes. You've just heard this. Hey, did you know, remember Peter's got a wife? You remember that? Peter's got a fishing business. He's got friends. He's got a family to look after. But you've been told right here out of the mouth of your Savior that your love for Jesus and devotion to him above all will cost you everything, even your own life. As you follow him along his path and purpose. Okay, live in the text. You're on that beach. Would you follow him? Peter, ultimately what it means is you'll never see your family in this life again, ultimately. Come your time. You will die one of the most excruciating deaths you could ever have. Would you follow Jesus? See, as one commentator said it, the commitment of one with a supreme love for Christ is always to the cross, not their comfort. That's it, I'll say it again. The commitment of one with a supreme love to Christ is always to the cross, not their comfort. 
And I want to encourage us with this. Isn't it amazing? Peter knew over the next 30 years of his life, he was crucified 30 years later, but he knew from this moment on that was coming. He knew his death for Jesus was coming. He knew it was to be his end for 30 years. It was hanging over his head and his wife's and everything else he knew. And yet we know for a fact that over the next 30 years, the rest of his life, he faithfully, fervently, devotedly followed Jesus to the end until he literally took up his cross. And you might say, that's crazy. Why would he do this? Why, why not do something, Peter, that's more comfy, that's more convenient, that's gonna allow you to see your children maybe get married or not, or, or like that's gonna allow you to pass down in here. Why, why? Well, the answer is love. That's why. Love, an increasingly supreme love for Jesus Christ. And Peter knew right there what we must increasingly know, that Jesus is worth it all. See, a supreme love for Jesus says, whatever the cost, Lord, I'm in. And we need his power to say that, don't we? Whatever the cost, I'm leaving the community. I'm taking that opportunity. I don't know how things are going to be provided for, but whatever the cost, will you follow him? along his path for you and his purpose. See, he says it so clearly right here in Luke 9, 23 to 26. You'll see it on the screen. If anyone, Jesus says, would come after me, let him deny himself. There it is. Peter, deny yourself. And take up his cross daily, daily, not just once a week, daily, and follow me for whoever would save his life. I want to choose the easy path. I want to make it more comfortable once they get air conditioning in church, I'll come and do this. What? Take up your cross daily and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, not out of foolishness of doing your own thing, for my sake will save it. What, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? A life that loves Jesus supremely loves him above all and follows him in all things. Question facing you and I as we go to communion is this. Will you follow Jesus? And if you're here and you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal savior, just stop. Just stop right there and pause. Taking up your cross means laying down your life through repenting of sin and confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believing this, he is the Son of God, the only Messiah. He came as fully God and fully man, lived a perfect life of perfect obedience to the Father, and he paid the penalty for your sin by taking up his cross, the very one Peter would represent, by taking up his cross and dying on it to pay the penalty for your sin, which is ultimately eternal separation from him in hell. And Jesus died and rose three days later, defeating the power of sin and death. And now, loved ones, greatest news of all time, he offers the forgiveness of sin and eternal life 
in him. And today's scripture says so clearly, when you hear his voice, say, follow me. Do not harden your heart. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I will follow. Whatever the cost. And brothers and sisters in Christ, will you follow Jesus along his path for you and not your own of what you want? The comfort, the ease. Will you follow his path for his purpose and glory and not your own? Remember, remember, we stated it earlier, the commitment of one with a supreme love for Jesus is always to the cross and not their comfort. Where is he asking you to lay down your life, your preferences, your comfort, your glory, and take up your cross and follow him in obedience to his word, whatever the cost? How about, how about, how about like right now? Not waiting in disobedience. Well, I'll think about it for two weeks and then maybe I'll decide. Obey quickly. Repent quickly. Where is, where is he asking you? Here's some ideas. In your home, where do you need to lay down your life and follow him in your home? Maybe it's starting to lead your family biblically, guys. Opening up God's word, praying with your wife and children, laying down your pride and stop fighting with them. Wives, same thing. Humbling yourselves before one another out of reverence for Christ. How about this? In your witness, or you see, I'm willing to put my reputation on the line. I'm not going to duck in fear when God opens up an opportunity to witness to my neighbors or my coworkers. How about this? In addressing that sin issue that's in your life that maybe no one else knows about, but you know Jesus knows about it. The harsh speech, the slander, the gossip you're listening to or saying. The pornography, the alcohol, the addiction. Where is it? Where is it, loved one? Give it to him. How about this? Your desire for self-glory and comfort. Will you lay it? Where do you need to just lay that down right now? Because that's your elephant in the room. Or how about this? In this church. I see the needs in this church. I hear the word of God so clearly to fervently serve him with zeal. I'll just kick back in my pew good. Where is it? Where do you need to lay it down? Can I encourage you with this? You'll see it on the screen. No cost is too high to pay for him and no purpose is greater than more of him. There it is. There's your life and mine. No cost is too high to pay for him and no purpose is greater than more of him. He is our greatest reward. And as Peter and millions of other saints are now declaring around his throne in heaven, he is worth it all. Jesus, Jesus, help us to love you more. Amen? You will regret nothing.